So I was told by an older, wiser pastor many years ago, he said, when you, when you get to the, the parish that you're called to serve and it's, it's not where you're from, you know, be sure to blend in with the culture. So um, I apologize, I meant to bring my uh, chief's hat, I mean my Colts hat uh, today. <laughs> uh, let's have, we'll have fun together, won't we? We're going to have a good time. It's okay. We'll be all right. Oh, okay. I need, I need to be worried, you know? Okay. All right. Okay, good to see you today. Hope you've had a blessed week. We've had some great weather, and now it looks, uh, here come the clouds. Time just seems to slow down a little bit when it gets cloudy, doesn't it? And you, you sleep in, you feel like you're running behind, you know, your 10-minute sermon turns into a 20-minute sermon. That never happens to you, though, probably. Okay. Um, before uh, we begin with Bible study, just uh, probably a, uh, this would be just a good time briefly to share just a point of information, as we would call it in, in, a, in a voters meeting here in our gathering today. Uh, where is our esteemed president, Mr. Chuck Long? Is he still in the house? Would you like to come up here and just, just verbally share what we've emailed and put in their mailbox? Do you want to do that? Okay. And then... Uh, I have one pastoral thing to add after you do that. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good thing. This is the problem. <laughs> okay. You just hold it, hold it kind of. Yeah, all right. Good morning, everyone. We have some great news. We have uh, an anonymous donor that has donated a million dollars to our congregation. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great uh, gift. Uh, and you see how God has continued to bless us. And uh, this is a designated gift. So uh, the plan is, uh, first priority is to pay off the mortgage, which is around $700,000. And then the next uh, thing on the list, as I recall, was the playground, or excuse me, the, uh, the parking lot, and then the organ. And then next would be the playground to uh, to improve and refurbish some of that. And uh, we'll work very hard to be good stewards of this money that's been graciously donated. And so we'll do the, you know, the competitive bids and kind of think through just how we're gonna, how we're gonna improve these things. And then there's one, uh, if there's any money that's, that remains after that, uh, we, it's, a, it's the congregation's discretion as to how we spend that. So I think uh, as we pay off this mortgage, uh, it's going to spell some freedom for our congregation to try some new things uh, and see where God leads us. So it's, it's an exciting time at Advent. And I think that covers it. Thank you. I think it's a good time to stand and sing the doxology, huh? Why don't you stand up, stretch your legs. Let's uh, stand and sing the doxology, shall we? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy
Amen. Thanks be to God. The uh, only pastoral word I would add besides uh, thanks be to God for this gift is uh, this is an anonymous gift, which means uh, don't guess as to who it is. You might guess wrong and offend the person that has given it. Um, and uh, so uh, just remember Eighth Commandment, give thanks to God for his gifts and uh, all uh, glory and honor uh, as is fitting from the donor is due to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So thanks be to God for that. Okay? All right. Any questions, comments before we jump into a Bible class? Yay! What a great way to start Bible class. Pastors don't get to start Bible class that way very often. Hey, we're paying off our debt. Yeah, all right. All right. The Lord be with you. Oh Lord, we pray that your grace may always go before and follow after us, that we may continually be given to all good works. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Okay, we are uh, continuing our study here of uh, Reverend uh, Sainted Professor Kurt Marquardt's book, The Saving Truth, a Doctrine for Lay People. If you, have the hard, if you have the hard copy, we're on page 81. If you have the Kindle avert, uh, edition, it's whatever's up on the screen. Page 89 of 190 on that particular Kindle version. Uh, so we're going to pick up uh, where it says it was a great reformation. It was a great reformation discovery that God's grace and salvation are offered and distributed not only in the sacraments, but also and even primarily through the word, that is through the proclamation of the gospel itself, right? So that's why we have this phrase that we've, we've come to, to know and hopefully to love, word and sacrament, right? Uh, so word first, uh, faith comes from hearing the word, right? And the word is the, the message of Christ, okay? Um, a chapter or so back, and I was kind of reviewing a little bit, we talked about the gospel in terms of the broad sense and the gospel in terms of the specific or the narrow sense. Okay? We did that for the law as well. Okay? So keep in mind when you hear, uh, like for example, Psalm 1, blessed is the man uh, who meditates on the Torah, the word of God, literally law of God day and night. That would be law in the broad sense, right? So I'm not just meditating on the Ten Commandments, which is all law. I'm also meditating on the Gospel. Think Apostles' Creed, what God has done for me, who He is in Jesus Christ, how He has uh, justified me, redeemed me. Um, so when we talk about Word and sacraments, we're always talking about law and Gospel. Um, and the Lord's at work through that. So for you, that Word is a very powerful thing. So as you have an opportunity... Uh, to confess the faith, to share that word as you read scripture at home on your own, um, as you may share that with others, the Holy Spirit is at work through that, right? So he's given you the power and authority now through the word. That's not a power and authority that is just part of, of who you are, okay? Uh, so uh, same thing with uh, the Roman Catholic Church had developed slowly a doctrine of indelible character, right? So the priests then, uh, in their office, are indelible. They cannot sin. That's why back early on when some of the, um, uh, the uh, accusations and uh, actual sins came forth of homosexuality or abuse along those lines, the church was very hesitant to, uh, to acknowledge it. Why? Because priests can't sin in the office, Right? Same concept with the Pope, that the Pope cannot sin ex cathedra when he sits in his seat or when he speaks, 
from his seat as Pope, right? So what he says then as Pope, according to their doctrine, is equal to what? The Word of God, right? And to that we would say, no, we would, we would obviously disagree with that. And that, that was kind of the start of it with the Reformation and still continues in some ways today, okay? Be nice to your Roman Catholic friends, uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, but those are good conversations to kind of have and direct. Um, and I find a, a lot of people aren't even, aren't even always fully aware of what their church may believe or teach as well, okay? So don't go into it expecting that you're always going to talk to a Sunday school teacher or someone who's been through a whole bunch of lay classes, Okay. Uh, indeed, the gospel is first and foremost a preaching, it's proclamation, okay? So if you go back and you look at the um, unaltered Augsburg Confession, uh, which is kind of the cornerstone, uh, the chief Lutheran confession, most churches will have on their cornerstone uh, UAC, and then the year that that building was dedicated. UAC means unaltered Augsburg Confession. It was the, the very first confession of faith publicly uh, that the reformers made, Okay. Um, and when you get very quickly into Articles 4, uh, Justification, Article 5 is all about uh, that God has now called and ordained uh, this to be uh, preaching, right? So we're talking predictomped, we're talking the preaching often, God has created the church to have pastors now that will preach. So God's desire is to have the Word, not just lay around in a dusty old Bible, right? Or even just be memorized, but to be preached, and, 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 and thus having now the, the office of pastor, which Christ has ordained, um, of under-shepherds, uh, that that word would continually be preached. That's why first and foremost, mission, when you talk about mission or evangelism, is the preaching and proclamation of that gospel. Okay? So you'll notice in our prayers on Sunday, we've added uh, appropriately Pastor Feeney. What's he doing down in the Cayman Islands? He's not, no, he's not just sitting on the beach drinking umbrella drinks. Uh, <laughs> He is doing that, and, and he's retired. <laughs> Thanks be to God. If you follow Facebook, got some great photos. Boy, I really want to go visit, especially when the weather turns like this. Um, but what he's doing down there, he is doing just that. He is preaching the gospel, right? So he's working with a small little church. He's cultivating the soil um, and, uh, and, and preaching the word, all right? Uh, and so he's, he's a missionary in that, in that very true sense, and so we will pray and support him, okay? Um, so keep in mind, that, that's, that's the primary thing that the church now is called to do, okay? So it is the life, it is the living and life-giving speech of God. So as the word is, 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 is preached, as it is taught, it is the very voice of God now that is doing that, okay? Um, and when we talk about very voice of God, we always connect that back to the voice that spoke at creation. Let there be light, that is the word, John's gospel at the very beginning tells us who that word was and is. Who is it? It's the second person of the Trinity. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word was with God in the beginning. And then John 1 verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So we're talking about the second person of the Trinity. We're talking about Jesus uh, without flesh on, without skin just yet. Okay, So uh, son of God. Uh, and so it's that word that's at work. So the Latin term for that would be the viva vox Christe. Here, make yourself feel smart today. Viva vox Christe. The living voice of Christ, or the very voice of Christ. Okay? 
So when that word now is preached to you and the same thing in the absolution and the same thing with, you know, uh, and just go through your catechism. If you had a chance to be with us on Wednesday, the catechism really emphasizes this. What makes a baptism a baptism? The word, the word of Jesus. What makes the Lord's Supper the Lord's Supper, the actual body and blood of Jesus? The word. All right, same thing with absolution. Uh, how do you know your sins are forgiven? Because the word is Jesus. He has that authority through the pastors. And not just that, but you know, as you forgive each other as well, that word is at work, right? So, so the word in and of itself has, has power and authority. Okay, questions or comments on that? This gospel now, Mark Hart continues, is a glorious ministry. And he's kind of got ministry here in quotes because uh, you know, when we talk about ministry, that, can, that term is kind of, can kind of be goofy today. Uh, we should talk about service, administration, the spirit of righteousness, of reconciliation. Not simply because it talks about these realities, but because it actually contains, offers, and distributes them, right? So this is kind of sacramental talk, right? That within the words now, there is a power that, that, that is at work, right? So I've got a book on my shelf uh, that I had in uh, college, and it was at a, at a public institution called Reading the Bible is Literature. Can you imagine what it was about? It went through and identified uh, various literary forms that were used or can be uh, seen to be used throughout Holy Scripture. Okay? And so the intent of the book was, if you have a better understanding of how the Bible is written, at least according to how uh, the author of this book would say it's written, then you'd have a better understanding of Scripture itself. Now that's not where we start as Christians, though. Are there various forms and formats in the Bible in terms of writing and by the authors that were moved by the Holy Spirit? Of course they are, right? For example, John's Gospel is, is the very first part of the Bible uh, or the New Testament uh, that uh, Koine Greek or New Testament Greek students would translate. Why? Because John writes Greek in a very simple way, okay? You might say he kind of he writes in a, uh, a junior high level, if you will, okay? As opposed to a high school or, you know, Luke and Acts, by the way, remember what Luke did for a vocation? He was a physician. So how do you think his gospel is if you read it in the original language? What do you think? It's all chicken scratch. No, I'm just joking. Sorry, doctors. <laughs> it's, it's, it's highfalutin academic. I mean, it's very academic. I mean, he, his sentence structure is very difficult, um, and so it makes it a little harder okay, to translate in that way. Okay? Um, so we certainly look at all that and pay attention, but ultimately... When the word of God there is read and is preached, there is power and authority in and of itself, right? Which means even for a, you know, a little child, raise your hand if you've got kids under five. Raise your hand if you have grandkids under five. Yeah, I mean, most of them are teaching or doing that, okay. Uh, why do you still bring them to church, you know, at 8.15 or 10.30? Do they understand everything they're hearing? No, well, we're so stupid. We need to have children's church. We need to do something that they can relate to and understand. Now, I want you to get why we don't do some of those things. I mean, other churches do. I could send you to a bunch of churches that you could get to within five, ten minutes from here, and they would have completely separate programs for the children's children that are totally different from the adults. Okay? What they believe about the Word of God is different from what we would profess and believe about the Word of God. 
right? So it's lex orande, lex credande, the faith now that is, 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 is believed is, is the faith now uh, the way you worship, right? So it gets shown in that way. So we bring our little children to church. Uh, Jesus said, let little children come to me. Why? Because the word that now is preached and is taught, is it doing anything for them? Really? Is the word doing anything for them? Yes, faith is being created, even though they don't understand it. Admit it, you're probably there half the time, aren't you? (laughs) Okay, so the Holy Spirit is at work through that. That is, it's sacramental, it's mysterious. I mean, it's amazing, right? Um, And so just hang on to some. That doesn't mean that you still can't do some of the other fun and engaging stuff. That's why we have Sunday school classes. That's why we've got, you know, preschool. You know, we do some of those other things maybe to engage them where they're at in their level at various things. But in the divine service, we understand it's for all people, right? All languages, right? I mean, all backgrounds, all ages, okay? And so we don't just focus on, on one age or the next. I look at some of, some of these churches that do all these ministries for, you know, the, the younger and the youth, and then we got a junior high worship, and we got a senior worship, and we got college, you know. And you know the one thing that I see missing from a lot of these mainline, quote, churches? Where, where's the special stuff for the elderly? I don't see much of that, okay? Um, so you, you think about how, you know, where the... <laughs> I come from a little bit of a business background, right? You got to know your market, right? <laughs> you, you just just pay attention to some of that stuff, okay? Um, now, the, the 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 path is paved with good intentions, no question about that. Not going to question somebody's desire to to share Jesus in different ways, but boy, let's get at what Scripture says in terms of how that's really done, uh, and correct that. Okay, now I've gone too far. Are we good to continue? Okay. Here we go. So the gospel is a glorious ministry, service administration of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit at work, of righteousness, reconciliation, and not simply because it talks about these realities, because it actually contains, offers, and distributes them. So the ministry of the Spirit, from 2 Corinthians 3, verse 8, here refers not to special effects on the side, but to the very core gifts of the gospel, right? Life and justification. Or Luther in his catechism summarized it best. Forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. Those are yours, okay? So this is how and why the Savior's words, right? My words, John 6, 63, are spirit and life, okay? Uh, So his words are work. His words are still spirit and life. Even though it's 2,000 years later after he spoke them, those words are still very much alive. Now, the gospel is an utterly unique form of communication. In Greek... The words for gospel and for promise are actually closely related. Unlike the law, which threatens the gospel is pure promise. So fulfilled in Christ, 2 Corinthians 1.20, God's saving promises actually carry in and with them the very things promised. Now wrap your head around this. Right? So early service people, we talked about death and life. Right? Uh, We didn't go too much into detail. In your baptism, you are buried with Christ, correct? You've heard that? You believe that? That actually means what it says. You have been buried with Christ, okay? And yet you have also risen to new life, okay? Now, this is difficult sometimes for us um, 
I'm going to use the word Westerners. And if you study history and philosophy, you understand a little bit about what I mean. We've been trained to think in a very in-your-face, here-and-now fashion, instead of kind of, uh, oh, let's talk about my home state of Kansas and the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> There's actually a wizard. Where? But, it, but it's, it's, it's more than what Dorothy uncovered. I mean, it's an, it's an actual, it's more than a wizard. It's actually God who's at work behind the scenes now. I mean, doing amazing you know, things. And so your faith now begins to trust and believe that, that God actually does what he says, that these words do what they say, that these sacraments are actually what he says. And so that's really kind of a mind bender when you start to wrap your, your head around that. So Lord's Supper, you eat bread and wine, correct? But you also eat body and blood. How is that possible? I don't know. I can't explain it to you. I can just tell you what he says. You got it? Faith now trusts his word. Even though the world, you know, they might take uh, some little consecrated bread and wine, put it under a microscope, and what are they going to see? Well, they won't really see bread and wine under the microscope because it'll be really small. So <laughs> you'll see the various cellular structure, right, of, of whatever you're looking at and, and, and all of that. So, um, wow, all right? So, uh, so, so, so there's, there's, there's more there, right? And, and so now the job of the church is to, is to pull aside the curtain and reveal these things. To who? Who is this to be revealed to? All people. Right? So if you're one of those people who's like, oh, you pastors in you church, you spend too much time talking about baptism and too much time about the Lord's Supper and, and, and Jesus really dying and coming back to life. You need to just tell people what to do. Just help them live their best life. Help them be better neighbors and all that stuff. Where's the real power, I would ask you? Where's the real power? You answer the question. Where is it? It's in the Word and in the sacraments. You get that? And so when the church gets away from those things, and that, that's what Mark Carter is getting at here, when the church starts going you know, down different rabbit holes, okay, Alice in Wonderland, that sort of thing, you end up in some really upside-down, weird places. Oh, I'm going to have to use some Alice in Wonderland quotes now. Okay. <laughs> I like the hat. Doesn't the rabbit wear the hat? That's a cool hat. Okay. Okay, so, um, so the word for promise can also mean the thing promised, and these two senses can run together into one, right? That's the now and the not yet, okay? Um, so are you forgiven all your sin now? Do you have life, everlasting life now? Yes. Do you have everlasting life that awaits? Yes. Okay, are you still a sinner? Yes. yes. Will there be a time that you're not a sinner? No. Yes. Are you going to be a sinner in the resurrection in heaven? I hope not. I got to, we got to do some work on you then. You need to come see me and Pastor Grady. If you've rejected the faith, you're in dangerous ground, right? Um, so it's, it's, it's the now and the not yet, right? So you're a saint and a sinner at the same time. You have forgiveness of sins now, okay? Uh, you've been judged on account of Christ who was judged for you. Yet will there be a judgment day? Yes. Will all those things that you have done be laid bare and on the table? Yes. Will they matter? No. Does that mean you get a free pass? You just go do whatever you want? <laughs> you know, when I was about 18 or 19, I really struggled with that one. I know who Jesus is. I'm saved. What does it really matter whether I'm good or not, right? 
Okay, if you're struggling with that one, come talk to me as well. Uh, <laughs> sit you down with one or two of my kids and we'll have that discussion. Oh, now I've said too much. <laughs> I do that a lot, don't I? Um, so as live divine promise, the gospel is much more than information. This more can be compared to the difference between a letter and a check, right? The letter might promise a birthday gift, but the check actually conveys it, right? Um, so uh, the wonderful gift that we've been given, we received notice of that uh, a, a while back. Um, and, and, and now the gift, you might say, has been what? Has been given, right? Um, so, so you've got the letter of it until you actually have the gift, right? So if you've done this with your kids, if you tell them that they're going to get something, for example, I had a son who recently had a birthday, and on his birthday, his gift hadn't arrived yet. Um, don't get me started on eBay and all these other things. And so uh, I told him, you know, the gift is going to be delayed, right? But, but it's coming. So naturally, what does he ac ask for the next three weeks? Yeah, I know. It took three weeks. I'm sorry. What's the question? <laughs> is it coming? And that develops into the question. He never really asked this, but I'm sure he wanted to. Did you really get me a gift? <laughs> Were you really thinking about me, right? I mean, until you actually can see it and touch it, right? You just have the promise of it, right? So think about what Mark Hart's getting at here. So you know, God, you know, promises and, and now delivers. And so you need to understand how he is delivered now. How is it that you have gifts in front of you now? And do you really care about those gifts? So when churches fail to practice absolution, when churches fail to practice baptism or emphasize it, when churches fail to practice and receive the Lord's Supper, what in essence are they doing? They're rejecting the gift if the gift's there, okay? Think about this for you. You might wonder sometimes, oh, I don't really want to go to church today. Ever had a day like that? I'll raise my hand. <laughs> I'd be honest with you. I mean, who always wants to, you know, is, is church always awesome? To some of you that might say that, come talk to me. I mean, you know, the, the, you're, you're still a sinner and you have moments and times. I'd like to say that I wake up every morning looking forward to preach to you and serving you and doing that, but I'm going to be honest, I'm a sinner. Sometimes there's a part of me that would rather sit at home and watch football or go watch golf or be selfish. Okay, that's the sinner in you. We've all got it, so let's just, let's just get it out there and acknowledge that, okay? Um, so if you think that about your pastors or, or teachers or people, you, you, we need to have a talk uh, because everybody's battling that sinner in many and various ways, Okay. Uh, so, what's a good way to motivate and remind you? There's a gift that's been given there. If you're struggling from cancer and uh, the doctor says, hey, I got a cure for cancer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm to leave this little shot uh, here in the lobby of the doctor's office and you just come in when you can and give yourself an injection. Okay? All right? You know, and... Uh, you're a little busy this week, right? I mean, you got other stuff to do. I mean, the kids have their activities, you know, so I'll, I'll wait till next week to go, to go get that injection. I know it's there. I can come get it anytime I want, right? And then next week rolls around and you've got a big project at work and, you know, ah, it's okay. I'll get to it. You see where we're going with this discussion? So if the Lord offers you forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation, if he's given you a free pass for all eternity, right, and a promise as well to give you medicine that's going to help you with your life now, 
Why would you reject that? And so when you are rejecting that, that's a sign of unbelief. Let's just call it for what it is. You may not have gone all the way yet, but I would just say, hey, we don't know when Jesus is going to return. Okay? Now, if you're struggling, am I an unbeliever, then I would simply kick back to you, are you baptized? Okay? And we go through a little bit of a diagnostic. Okay? But you need to understand the actions of the sinner as it relates to the Lord's gifts. Okay? Uh, and as the new man in you wants that. The new man wants to praise God 24-7. The new man in me wants to preach to you, wants to work 90 hours out of the week or more, uh, wants to be all things to all people and do all that. The, the old Adam in me doesn't want anything to do with that. So the battle that we have, each of us have, is, is a, constant, it's a constant battle. Okay? But praise be to God, Paul says, the good I want to do, I don't do. The bad that I don't want to do, I keep on doing. Who's going to rescue me from this body of death? And the answer is... Praise be to God through Jesus Christ, who's given me the victory. Okay? All right, questions, comments? Let's move on. All right? So, here it is a case of the message being the medium for imparting the very things the message names and describes. The gospel, always including the sacraments, in fact, does two things. It gives the otherwise quite unattainable riches of Christ, and you can read more about that in Ephesians 3.8, to needy sinners, and it also creates in them the hand of faith with which to take these treasures, right? So in the, in the catechism, and, and this, this, is, this is difficult sometimes for people to grasp, right? I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has done what? Called me, Right? What is that, Pastor Elman? Kaleo? He's called... No, that's not... Is that right? Laleo? Oh, shoot. Now i got Greek on the brain. He's called me by the gospel. Okay? Uh, he's sanctified and he's kept me in the one true faith. So it's always God's work. So I can't even accept, and that's why we kind of have issues with some of our, 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 our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ in, in the Reformed churches who would believe that I have, you have to accept or you have to make a decision. We would say you're spiritually dead. You can't do that. You, you can't even... Make a move towards God, right? So he sends the Holy Spirit, and he gives you now this wonderful thing called faith, okay? Uh, did you see it came across the newswire this last week? There was a guy who was a, I think it was a quadriplegic, and they built this robotic body that they strapped him into, and it's connected somehow to his brain. Did you see it? I watched a little video thing of it, and here's this guy, uh, you know, just using like his mind, is now, you know, walking, right? And he looks a little bit like the Terminator or RoboCop, but that's amazing. I mean, here's a guy whose life has been confined to, you know, a wheelchair, which has to support him fully, or a bed, and now he's actual, actually mobile and moving around. His body physically can't do it on its own, but he's been given now a wonderful means to be able to do that. So now connect that to what I just said. That's what faith is for you. You can't grab hold of Christ. You're paralyzed. You can't accept these gifts. You can't feed yourself. You can't walk towards Him. But He now gives you faith. And with faith now comes the power and ability, and it's all by the power of the designer, of God who has designed it, right? Uh, he's the guy who also charges the batteries, right? Because when the quadriplegic guy comes out of it, you think he can go plug it in and charge it himself? He can't do that, can he? Somebody's got to do that for him. God does that for you. 
oh, these are great connections. I'm glad I thought of that one, okay? <laughs> so that's, that the, you know, there's a number of different ways to kind of think about how God is, is doing that for you, okay? Questions or comments? Okay, the gospel and the space-time gap. I love where Marquart comes up with some phrases sometimes that are kind of interesting. Okay, the gospel and the, that's kind of blurry. Isn't that a little blurry? Okay, maybe I do need to get my eyes checked again. There is a problem in popular Christianity which is as fundamental as it is largely unrecognized and acknowledged. Okay, so we got a problem. One symptom of it is a certain sense of unreality which for modern technology-minded people surrounds person, events, and situations from older cultures. The cultural gap between us and, say, Reformation times, let alone the age of the New Testament, is so dramatic that these other worlds strike us as outlandish. It is our own world that seems real and normal. One attempt to bridge these gaps is to dress up the church's ancient worship in the snappy sights and sounds of modern pop culture. Such quick-fix solutions, however, rest on shallow views of the basic problem. So we need to dig deeper. Okay, so he basically, you know, he kind of has taken a shot at, you know, I don't even know what you would call it anymore, emergent worship, contemporary worship, okay, as opposed to just kind of the historic liturgy, um, uh, okay, anybody want to comment on that? We'll dive into that one another time, but I, th I think you know where we're going with that. We need to dig deeper. Salvation has happened to the human race in Christ. In him is all of God and all of his grace. Whoever does not find God in Christ will never find him anywhere else even if he were to go over heaven, under hell, or into space, as Luther was found of repeating. As the way, the truth, and the life, the Savior is that one and only bridge over which all the saving traffic between God and mankind must pass. In him, God has come into focus for us. The funnel in the illustration, and we'll get to it. Oh, you got it up there. So just listen. The funnel in the illustration coming to a point in the cross and resurrection of Jesus expresses this evangelical truth in diagram form. So far, so far, all serious Christians are agreed. The problem arises when we go on to ask, how does all this come to us now? It happened 2,000 years ago. And so for North Americans, several thousand miles away, how is this space-time gap to be bridged? How does the salvation in Jesus there and then get us to here and now? Now, it's difficult to imagine a more crucial or practical question. One's whole understanding and practice of Christianity depend on the answer. Yet very different answers are given at this point. The usual answer in popular uh, Protestantism of the conservative kind is that we must pray or wrestle or make a decision or a commitment or in some other way come to Calvary. Okay? Um, so so he's, he, he brings up an example here of how you would now you know, bridge the gap of how you get into God's presence. So I wrote a newsletter article here this last month. Have you, most of you read it? Some of you? Go read your newsletter. Um, and in, in, in the newsletter article, um, I, I had uh, some people who had some questions um, you know, were kind of wrestling with, with the worship thing. Um, and uh, Trader's Point, you guys all know Trader's Point, really popular still kind of growing, you know, Christian church over by where we live on the west side of Zionsville in Whitestown. And, um, and so, so uh, I watched uh, the service from, I don't know what it's been now, three, four, five weeks ago. It's about an hour and 20 minutes was the whole service. So early service people don't, don't get uh, too upset about the longer service today. Late service people, I'll, I'll try and pare it down a little bit. But, uh, uh, but anyway, so it was, it was about an hour and 20 minutes. And 
And uh, the message, the sermon was the longest. So it was the head pastor, I forget his name, um, nice guy, seems like a guy I'd enjoy you know, playing golf with or doing other things with. Uh, but his whole basis of his sermon was that uh, the way you come to God is, is how you act or what you do. And so his text was Revelation 4, and it was really bad exegetical stuff from Greek. It was just stuff that was just not right. Uh, I mean, just, uh, just bad. Just bad. Uh, but his, his point was defending how we worship at Trader's Point. So he says, you know, people accuse us of being the happy clappy church, and we absolutely are the happy clappy church. Because we believe that's what God calls us to do, right? So then he goes on, read the article. I put some quote, direct quotes in there, and I'll give you the YouTube link, you know. But if you're having problems in your life, you've got to worship your way through it, right? So he talks about people who come to worship, and they're not sure about this whole happy clappy thing. You know, guys kind of stand there with the groomsman pose, you know, with kind of one hand in the pocket, you know, and then they get to the kind of one hand in the air. He goes, we want to get you to the hands in the air, and he goes, we want you dancing, and we want you clapping, and then he, he provides what he thinks is all this evidence for this is how worship is done in the Bible and also going on in heaven right now, which I totally, if you're struggling with that, come see me. We will open our Bibles and I will convince you by the word of God that this is just false teaching. Mark and avoid it. It's blatant false teaching. So the way that you get through difficult things or the way you get in touch with God is how? Not baptism, not the Lord's Supper, not absolution, how is this pastor and now this church teaching you to get in touch with God? The way you... Period. Okay? And that's false. Completely false. And mis Now, do I believe his intentions? Or, does, I mean, does he truly believe? And he's got the best of intentions. We can get into that argument. Right? But, you know, as, as the phrase goes, you know, the path to hell is paved with good intentions, right? So this is why I talk about some of this stuff with you because you will wrestle with this if you haven't wrestled with it already or you'll have children or family members and it's easy to kind of get off, you know, Jesus says the, 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 the path is narrow. <laughs> I mean, it is, right? And the door is small because the, the path and the door is, is through him. So you want to really want to talk about Christianity and you want to pay special attention to what Jesus has mandated and said. Focus on that, not other things, okay? And that's where churches, including Lutherans, and the Missouri Senate isn't exempt from this. I've got some wonderful friends from seminary, and we are light years apart, light years apart. We all believe still that baptism saves you. We believe the Lord's Supper is the blind blood of Jesus, but light years apart on some other things. Love them to death, still talk with them, but I'm the stodgy conservative guy who won't let his church have any fun. <laughs> you want to have fun, come over to my house and watch the Colts and the Chiefs game together. <laughs> and I'll supply all of the beverage. <laughs> you never know how a game can go, by the way. So I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm not saying anything, I'm just saying. I've been played sports enough, so it's pretty, all right. I'm, you know, why do I step into these holes? Ah, you just want to send me back to Nebraska sometimes. <laughs> okay, what do we got? We got about four minutes, okay. So uh, the gap is to be bridged by our faith, okay? So first and foremost, it's faith. That's what we want to start with. Faith becomes the ability that God gives you now to grasp and to do these things. Uh, and yeah, 
uh, faith is certainly going to work and going to do some things, right? Ironically, you want to talk about what people are doing when they're worshiping God. Uh, it's actually bowing down or prostrating themselves. So you, you really want to really get into some of Scripture stuff, then we need to put kneelers in the church. But of course, it's not law. You got it? I mean, it's not that you have to, have to do this, but you truly want to understand what it is when you realize that the guy who has the power over your life, your eternity, is standing in front of you, how are you going to act? And that's where the word reverence now starts to come from. Okay? Um, and that, and that's, that's a little different. It's the same reason, regardless of who the president is, whether you like him or you don't like him, if the president comes in the room, what do you do? You do the same thing. You might do that at work. You've got a boss, and your boss comes into the room. What do you do? Sit down and just kind of pick your nose. <laughs> you stand up and acknowledge him, a sign of respect, a sign of authority. All right? So you, you can relate to all this. Okay? All right. Okay, let's move on. Ugh, I get off on too many tangents. I'm sorry. According to this, okay, so faith here seems to mean an exercise of mental, emotional, imaginative, or ethical powers, the exact mix depending on the local theology, okay? So he's saying that's where you, now you've got to define what faith is. So according to this thinking, we must shut our eyes, as it were, concentrate as hard as we can on Christ, and so experience him and his cross. So this meaning takes place, however, in the realm of mind or religious imagination, a realm highly suspect for all who lost their innocence in Psychology 101. Were you one of those? I can remember that class. Uh, so hence, a nagging sense of unreality and malaise. Okay? So um, God is very specific, and, and the word that probably is best to be used is objective. He tells you when and where. Okay? Uh, and for those of you that do tend to be a little more, you know, emotionally driven and that sort of thing, um, you know, God wants to pull you back just a little bit from that. It's not that you, you can't have emotions and that sort of thing. There's a few hymns every now and then that you really, you kind of get jiggy with it, don't you, with the hymns. You're kind of, you know, singing the hymn and you, you've got it kind of memorized and you're like, oh man, Phil was just lightning on the keys today, and he just had the divine service kind of rock. And there's other hymns and early service people. You probably were thinking this today. It was like, who picked this one? Um, you know, and that's not very singable. Um, and then I would tell you, just too bad. Uh, you know, it teaches a good lesson, and there's some things you do need to learn. And you know, I know I can't. We can't please everybody as pastors and music staff. Um, you know, but anyway. Oh, let's move on. So there's the, you saw the thing about that. Let's finish this next paragraph and then we'll be done, okay? So completely different is Luther's recipe for encountering God. To modern religious nerves attuned to televised exhortations to come to the cross, right? Uh, it's jarring to be told. Quote, if, I now, if now I seek forgiveness of sins, I do not run to the cross for I will not find it given there. Of course, Luther knew better indeed than most others, and that's why like the old rugged cross is actually not in any of our LCMS hymnals. Did you know that? Okay. It's got some good stuff in it, but it's not actually the cross itself. We don't want to turn the cross into idolatry. Remember us for the procession. If you're one of these people that you haven't, you know, been around a little more liturgical kind of practices, you know, you see the cross processing and pressing, you see some people, you know, bowing down. You're like, well, that's idolatry. They're bowing down to a cross. Why are they bowing? Is it to the cross itself? 
it's simply to their belief that who's here, right? The president has walked into the room, okay? Now, you might be uncomfortable bowing. You might have a back, you might have a fused spine that doesn't allow you to do that. Is that okay if you don't bow? Yes! It's not a law, okay? But understand kind of where some of that power, piety and reverence comes from. And I always tell people this, you know, you may not be someone that likes to make the sign of the cross. You didn't grow up with it, okay? Um, I, it, it's a long-standing custom in Lutheranism, so I want to teach you where that comes from, uh, what the meaning is, you know, but, you know, are you a less of a Lutheran if you don't do it? No. No, we're not going to go down that path. We're not going to make laws to that, okay? Now, for the people that do it, I would hope that they do it because it, it gives some meaning, connection to their baptism, their body, you know, that sort of thing. You know, ask them if you're curious, okay? So you'll see some different practices on that, and our, our Lutheran confessions lay out that we don't mandate a lot of those things, okay? That, that, that's up to some, some personal stuff. So if you're a new person here at, at Advent, you might see some things you didn't see before, uh, or maybe you're coming from a church that's even way more liturgical, like, whoa, they don't, they don't do all of that that my church does, you know, or the pastors don't or that sort of thing. Okay, you know where I'm going with this. Let's finish up. Um, so, if, of course, Luther knew better indeed that the cross is everything, but where is this cross now? The event is beyond our reach, right? So we're going to talk about the old red cross. That's 2,000 years ago, okay? Um, the event, if we could find it somewhere in Jerusalem, it could, in principle, do no more for us than the Shroud of Turin, Right? Or think of the time at Luther's, you know, and people still, your relics, right? Uh, all the relics, right? So I've got, I've got St. Peter's toenail. Hey, why don't you put this in your pocket? And it'll, it'll protect your retired electrician, aren't you? You must have had it with you all your life. That's why you never got electrocuted. You're still with us. So, so if you have something, then I can grab hold of the divine, right? Uh, so you need to understand where the divine is, 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 is given. So, on the cross, Christ achieved and won forgiveness for all, but he does not distribute it there. In his gospel and sacraments, Christ distributes forgiveness, although that is not where it was won. We are not left to our own devices here. The cross is not to be captured with mental exercises. Its treasures are distributed by God in his holy word and sacraments. And this, not mentally, but really and truly, or in the word I used earlier, objectively. And let's read this quote together and then we'll conclude for the day. Christ on the cross and all his suffering and his death do not avail, even if, as you teach, they are acknowledged and meditated upon with the utmost passion, ardor, heartfeltness. Something else must always be there. What is it? The word, the word, the word. Listen, lying spirit, the word avails. Even if Christ were given for us and crucified a thousand times, it would all be in vain if the word of God were absent and were not distributed and given to me with the bidding, this is for you. Take what is yours. Let's stand and close with the Lord's Prayer. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Peace be with you. Amen.